FMX Network production. It's a different side of Moto. The stories of struggle, failure, and inspiration told by the people who lived through it. It's Kenny's Corner with Kenny Watson and special guests. Hello, everybody. This is Kenny's Corner. This is Kenny Watson. I am starting to do a podcast, and I would like to go above and beyond any other podcast that the sport of motocross has heard or seen. I would like to go behind the scenes of this industry and talk about the things no one else wants to talk about, like drug addiction, like families involved in the sport, mechanics, drivers, girlfriends, the involvement of all these kind of people. And we'll take it from there. This is the first one. We're going to see how it goes. I hope everybody enjoys it. And uh, here's my first guest. Enjoy. Hey, yeah, Kenny, what up, dude? It's Shane Best. How's it going? Good, Shane. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. And, and if you sound squirrely, I'll, I'll back you up and sound squirrely with you. Dude. Let's do this. Not much has changed over the years, huh? I still have my back after all these years. Oh, yeah, you know, you know. The shark. Yeah, the sharky, dude. <laughs> yeah, right man, it's pretty cool, dude. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I just I just thought, you know, when I was thinking about doing some kind of podcast, I was thinking I wanted to do something a little bit different, and uh, the first guy that came into my mind was you. How, is, how does that work out? Someone a little bit different, and it was Shane Bess. Right on. I appreciate that. That that, uh, that says something cool. At least uh, all the turmoil I've created in my life has some kind of meaning. So, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I'm a little bit different. I'm not your cookie cut type of dude. Um, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I, w- I would I would take that with a grain of salt. I think that uh, you know, if a lot of people don't know about Shane, I'll I'll just give a little quick background. Um, you know, Shane was one of the top amateur. Uh, 80 riders back in the day, 80, 85, whatever you want to call it. And uh, he was the next guy. He's the Adam Cincerello of his time. He had all the attention, all the support, all the factory behind him. And uh, he was the guy everyone was going for. Um, so if you didn't know, you do now. So we're going to jump back and, and go back to, to the beginning. When you first started, like when everything first started with you, when you just first started riding and getting involved, what, what, uh, like, did, did you just start riding at a young age? Did your dad ride? And how did you get involved in the whole, you know, the riding end of it? Um, I believe my dad rode, yeah. Dude, my dad was, like, beach boy, d- dirt bikes and, and jet skis, fan of skis. And, um, yeah, he rode, dude. Uh, he, of course, you know, you talk about riding to, to any dude from his era, you're going to hear Indian dunes, and you're going to hear about an hour, two, three-hour story about it. But So my dad was, was that guy, and uh, I came along, and... Uh, I don't remember when it started. I know I got a pink Indian. I believe I was around three, uh, and uh, it, it took off from there. I think we, uh, it was just kind of what you do as a father, I guess, you know, at that uh, 18 years old for him. And, uh, yeah, dude, next thing you know, I'm five, and we're, we're uh, hitting Ponca City for the first time. So that's when it pretty much all started. You were, 
from from a very young age, you were thrown right into the wolves. Like you weren't, you didn't go to the desert for three or four years and go camping with your family and do, you know, be, like myself. I was the trail rider, the the camp rider. I mean, I was the guy riding around the campfire and everyone was getting pissed. Said, "Go ride out in the desert," and I wouldn't want to leave the camp. But sounds like you just got thrown into it at a very young age. And were you successful right out right out of the bat, like right out of the gate? I mean, were you just like winning right away and had the attention on you, or did it take a while for you to, to climb the ladder of success? Um, nah, dude, I was getting lapped, to be honest. Dude, I, was, I would love to, to say I, I was killing it right from the gate, but uh, I was getting lapped from guys like Michael Bloss and, and Bobby Bonds, Daniel Blair, and Jonathan Shimp. Um, yeah, dude, I, I, uh, it took me a little while. I, uh, I definitely paid some dues when I was young, but it's cool because I don't really even remember it, so uh, it doesn't affect me. But <laughs> Um, you took me to about, I was like, uh, eight years old, Ponca City, and it used to be like, uh, you know, zero to eight, nine to 11, all like the age brackets. And the mod class was a combined class with the, the younger group and the older group. So we had guys like Shemp and Morris and, and, uh, Bonds and, you know, and, uh, I got my first hole shot and I just yarded these dudes I, it wasn't even a big deal i i, I pulled a whole shot at Ponca, won the first moto by a mile and uh it was on dude it was it was on it was uh hitting the ball for the first time i got that feeling and um yeah so so is that pretty much when your whole career changed and like a lot of manufacturers and sponsors noticed who you were um that's when it started. Yeah, Team Green, definitely Team Green. Um, you know, as soon as all that's all of a sudden, all of a sudden, uh, you win a moto like that, and uh, people want to help you. And uh, and notice how I remember the first win, but I don't remember all those years of getting lapped. Just throw that in there. <laughs> For sure. I mean, that's. I think that's just the way it works in life. You you don't want to remember the bad. You try to remember the good. But I, I get it. You know, right. it's crazy too. Like. Not, I mean, knowing you for quite a long time, not knowing you back then when you were racing, but it's crazy from where you grew up to be, you know, in the motorcycle mecca. Like, you grew up um, in, a, in a beach community in Oxnard, California, and a lot of people aren't really out of Oxnard or Ventura or Santa Barbara that really are at race motorcycles at a high level like you. And for just for you, a lot of people don't understand, for your dad – and you to go riding, it wasn't like, hey, let's go down the street and go riding. It was, it was a mission, correct? Right, right. Yeah, dude, uh, we call it we call it Boxnard. It's actually a, a big surf community, a beach community, and and, and gang community, and uh, produces boxers and field workers, I guess. But uh, it it uh, there's nowhere to ride, dude. You're right. And I mean, nowadays there's there's Peru and Zaka about an hour north in in Fieldton. But uh, at that time, in those years, there was nothing, dude. I don't know what he was thinking. He should have put me in a surfboard or a golf club or something. But uh, I guess the love for the sport will, you know, he'll go to any length to, to get the job done. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't ride much, that's for sure. We didn't ride much. We didn't ride like some of the competitors that had were in the desert or, or had land or whatnot. But uh, Yeah, a lot of people don't realize, like, you know, back in the day, you know, it wasn't like – you, there wasn't these, you know, motorcycle compounds and motorcycle camps where you could just send your next prodigy away <laughs> at 12 years old or f- 10 years old. Did you, like, right, right. like, growing up, like, you grew up in Oxnard, you know, you, you kind of, you know, did your thing. 
when did all of the fame and you know of of being a mini cycle superstar come into play mm-hmm. where you got you know the, the the full support from Suzuki and all that really started to go for you like how old were you and and what was that like let's see let's see I believe team green hooked it up for for a year um so I was around nine or ten world mini I had uh I beat Stewart both both uh classes that year or maybe it was just one whatever it was I know I know I put, I, I put on Stewart that year and of course, James has always been James. You know, I mean, not too many people can even say they got a moto in on on Stewart, but uh, that changed the game, dude. And uh, Suzuki took notice, and uh, we started getting factory support from American Suzuki. And um, I don't know that I really recognized it was fame. I just kind of jumped on the bike and and raced. Um, so the, those first couple years, getting the crates. You know, crates of dirt bikes showing up to the garage, like it was cool. But uh, I think it wasn't until like, you know, I started getting my like, you know, teenager swagger going to U.S. Open was like kind of a, a big deal. And that's when I kind of you know going to factory Suzuki Supercross track and, and riding with Primal Impulse and Buddy Antonez on an eighty. Um, that's when it started feeling like, oh, dude, I'm like signing autographs, <laughs> like you know. Like it's pretty cool. I like, go to school with regular kids on Monday in, in uh, junior high. It's kind of it's kind of different. Yeah, that's when know? I that's when I first started to take notice of you um, as as that mini bike guy. Like right bef- right at the end of your your mini bike career, um, and it seems like the transition to the big bike was. Um, I you know I have a question that I've been dying to ask you. This was it like when you first jumped off of the the, the little bike to the big bike. How long did you ride the big bike, and did you, were you kind of pushed into turning pro right away, or was it like, hey, did you guys have you know a protocol of this is what we're going to go do, and or was um, it just like, boom, you rode it for six months and then you were lining up at the gate at Anaheim? Right. Yeah, you know the answer, dude. <laughs> you know it was uh it was really quick, dude. It was rapid. It was quick. Uh, but at the time, you know, I, I was riding eighties. I was a pretty big kid already, like, I was pretty lanky, lanky, you know. Um, I was already riding a 125 out in the desert with Bobby Bond staying at his house and riding the 125, but then jumped back on the 80 to do my last uh, race at Loretta's. And uh, we basically killed that, five out of six motos. And uh, went to the big bike and um, hit the big bike, I think not even a year intermediate turn pro uh plus all the injuries you know on and off the bike turn pro had a major break at whitney uh compounded my arm i think i was leading the 250 points be uh short of leninovich and morris guys like that broke my arm came back and it was uh time to race loretta's and time to turn pro uh there was a contract on the table and uh, no one was forcing you, you know, no one was saying you have to do this or you have to do that. But the bottom line is me and my dad put in, I think at that time, 12 years to, to get there. And uh, I had all the confidence in the world. The injuries weren't affecting me, but, um, you know, you, how do you turn that down? And and we had no no taste of, of what it was like to go to the next level. You know, we, we knew we could compete at that level, hurt or not off the bike or not, but the next level uh, was a completely different story. 
So, you know, I wasn't forced, man, but we made the conscious decision to, to go for it, and um, I would say that I would change it. Definitely, definitely. So do you, like, you, you speak about injuries, um, and when, when these injuries started to take effect with you as a young guy, um, of course comes with injuries and surgery becomes operations and, you know, recovery and pain meds. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that, that that was a, you know, a big, big part of your life and, you know, what, what oh, yeah. happened to you. Um, when, at what age did all, like, did the medicine come in and you found yourself, you know, depending on that? Like, you thinking, like, wow, I tried that. That was good. I want to, you know, I want to feel like that and go <laughs> ride my dirt bike. I'm a, I could do way better if I feel like that. Like, right. how, how did all that come into play? You know, dude, um, it's been, you know, we, we, I put some thought to that. And uh, I don't know when I crossed the imaginary line, bro. But I do know that, like, everyone talks about gateway drugs, marijuana, this or that. And, and you know, I just remember remember getting, like, Vicodin at, at a young age, catching the bottle. You know, my mom was giving it to me or whatnot. And I had asthma, so I'm getting, like, this coating syrup, dude, it's, you know, later on in the years, I, I found out it's liquid heroin, basically. Um, so it was kind of a gateway for me, just, you know, catching glimpses of, of the bottle, Vicodin, oh, it, it makes me feel good, I'm hurt, you know, I'm 15, but I don't care, but, you know, fast forward years forward, and uh, now I'm on my own, my own place, there's no mom to hand me the bottle, and and I'm kind of stressed out, dude, I'm, I don't know if, I, if I'm racing, when I'm racing, I didn't do good when I was just racing I'm pretty bummed and they're just fighting and I've been taking them since I was you know you know whatever age and uh it it was it's kind of hard to explain but I just I just know that it did not seem like a big deal at all when uh when it when I started you know pounding those things do you think um you know I know that they probably played a a pretty big factor in your career so saying that um you know, after after you turned pro and you had some injuries and you had that contract and that contract went away and you found yourself like, all right, I'm going to have to go go do this still. And you had to go to another team. I think you went to go ride for the, the team that might Escondido Cycle Center, correct? Mm-hmm. So you had, you know, having a little dependent on medicine, having Mike Craig as your team manager, um, kind of a – a good guy have fun attitude around that deal. Do you Mm -hmm. think that is where kind of, you know, you took racing as a secondary involvement in your life and kind of turned the corner and said, Hey, you know, I want to race, but you were so dependent maybe on that where it kind of pulled you away from your, your career. You know, I wish I could say that completely, but, uh, I can't say that completely. It, it did. It did become where I was, you know, completely, completely abusing, abusing stuff, and 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 I didn't really know I was abusing it, dude. I just thought, you know, I race dirt bikes, man. I race dirt bikes. I go fast. I'm down to go fast, and uh, I, I'm gonna do it one way or another. You know, I, I didn't have any real, real, real positive influences in my life at that time to, to kind of crack the whip, and either even if so, kind of would hide it anyways, but. Um, same time dude i raced dirt bikes for a long time and, and things weren't going good i lost my suzuki ride uh you know just crushed completely crushed you know and uh it was a comfort thing and the ecc deal i, I, I want to 
I would I would say I mean I guess you're 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 right you know at that time I I had said in my mind like well it's over dude I lost my factory ride dude I'm not I can't compete like I got on from that bike to this like I know the difference there's no competing with that and uh, my heart's not really into it it's just uh, let's just run it till the wheels fall off and and uh, you know keep keep doing what I'm doing basically. But uh, it definitely infected me at that time um, with that attitude. Uh, I definitely was getting on the bike and, and uh, you know, so supercross. After your ECC ride came to an end, how much longer did you stay involved in, in the sport of professional racing? Like, I, you know, you, you could look at yourself in the mirror and say, yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I showed up in a race, but I didn't put an effort like I should have in it. How long before you just said, you know what, I had enough, and what other teams did you ride for until the end? Um, at that time, so ECC, I was done, dude. I, I raced that, I finished that year out, and I I, uh, I decided I didn't want to have anything to do with dirt bikes. So I, I took a, a year off, and um, I think that was so uh, three. I took almost a year off, so, so uh, that's when four strokes were coming out. Um and during that time, I was helping a, a buddy of mine, and and uh, training wise. And uh, I jumped on his bike one day and, and was like, "Dude, this thing's pretty cool." You know, I felt I felt kind of good. And then uh, got a four stroke. A doctor friend of mine had a four stroke, and I rode it, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is freaking unbelievable!" You know, and I got re-inspired. Did the four stroke nationals. And from there, I had some pretty good results, and uh, I had gotten a call from Buddy Antonez, who was uh, just retiring, was a former team a teammate of mine, and uh, was starting an arena cross team with a uh, Honda-backed arena cross team, with Troy Lee as the title sponsor. So that's where I went from there, and um, I had a different attitude, though. Let me say that. That's, that's definitely for sure. I, uh, I kind of got my stuff together in that that a brief period. So is that is that where it ended? Was that where it was like you went to Arena Cross and then that didn't work out and then you were done? No, dude, Arena Cross was great to me. I had I had it was a blessing, dude. I came off the couch, buddy, buddy uh, was a great mentor, trainer, and friend. And and uh, the first year there was some a learning curve and and uh, it was just a whole new ball game, dude. It was just everybody blowing each other up and quick and. And uh, the whoops were monstrous, and you know, uh, it, was, it was pretty cool. I got hurt. Um, things were going decent. I started running with Darcy Lang right before I got hurt, and Dressman got a couple podiums and whatnot. And uh, that summer, got some help to go up to Canada. Um, did the Canadian Nationals? Did had some had some fun. You know, it wasn't wasn't the best. My results weren't the best. It was nothing but mud races and. The last year of racing I did, well, I can't say it's the last year. The last year of racing I did uh, focused was uh, was uh, the Buku Arena Cross Series. Buddy's team had gone to Suzuki support. So I was back on the Suzuki, um, back at home. And, uh, yeah, that year went awesome, dude. I found, I found myself uh, completely in love with the sport again, completely pumped to go to the track and, and with Budman and, and uh, I just had a great support system. I had a, a good attitude. I had a, a taste of, you know, I think I'd gotten arrested or something for the first time, and and uh, I, I, had, I caught a possession, and 
I just knew what I could go to, and I, I found myself focused, dude, and and winning, and and having fun, and training, and and uh, yeah, dude. So I was there. I uh, actually had Rockstar Suzuki fly me out to East Coast race after Arena Cross was done. I had got second in that series. Josh Seamuth won. I fly to the race, and uh, somehow I don't know how my entries didn't get turned in. That was uh, you know above me. And uh, that was a big bummer. I think that was a big break that was going to happen for me. And, um, you know, uh, from there, went home and was just kicking it in the off season. And, uh, life, uh, you know, something tragic happened to me, uh, losing a loved one, and it was really close to home. And uh, that's basically where... I, uh, I, I gave up. I, I, well, I, I didn't give up. I just was crushed, you know, and I turned to alcohol and drugs. But didn't you, you, you came back one more time. Uh, I came back, came back, came back. Yeah. The next year, actually, uh, Tyler Evans and yourself helped me try to get, get right and get to the racetrack and see if I could push through what I was going through. And, uh, it just it was uh it was it was dangerous dude it was scary i was heartbroken i had a void in my my, my soul was just crushed i, I was it was uh no aggression and and i tried i tried my hardest but uh it didn't work out it didn't work out man so <laughs> it was so, crash and burn brother so from that point on that's when that's when you know things kind of went spiraled really downhill for you after that last season um you kind of you know were off the radar no one knew where you were at, and you were back home in Oxnard running amok, like going for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was bad, dude. It was really bad. I mean, I raced, I raced supercrosses with no sleep. I can say that, like multiple days, no sleep. Like I got those ones under my belt. I, uh, since I lived through it, it was a pretty cool experience. But um, I, 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 I went circling down the drain, dude, and and uh, it happened without like a conscious decision. I know, I, I know, I did turn to it. it what comforted me it was what made me feel no pain um but it wasn't like oh fuck yeah dude i'm gonna go to be a kind of drug addict and this is really cool um it's just next thing you know like years of my life went by bro like years of my life just disappeared and uh the struggle was was real and i was broken and uh very embarrassed to be around anybody i loved or, or knew or any friends that were my friends you know um I didn't want anyone to call me on my shit. I wanted to hide it, and I wanted to stay in the darkest place possible and uh, run around, you know, operate on, uh, from from uh, sundown to, to sun up were my hours. And, uh, yeah, dude, it's pretty gnarly. What, how, how, how low did it go? Like, did it get to the point where you got locked up? Did it get to the point how where... How low can you go? <laughs> I mean, did did you end up, you know, ODing a couple times, three times, one time? Like, um, like was it to, just to the bottom of the barrel, like, where is life really even worth it? Um, That's what I felt. But uh, uh, it went pretty low, man. It went pretty low. I don't suggest anyone going to that. And I, 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 uh, it, I was intravenous. Um heroin and, and and methamphetamine and cocaine user i had my time with all of them at the end uh i i uh my drug of choice was was heroin and meth combined as one i um i was pretty slick with with uh 
with not getting any prison time, like any real charges. I I uh, continuously just always found myself in jail, but it was always for the same thing. Like it was always for you know it, under the influence, being in someone's car, I'm, I'm high. You know, it was nothing, dude. I go to jail for, for the weekend or a couple of weeks, where it was, till I get processed. And you know, um, I I uh, I got really lucky as far as the years of of when it was time to be a criminal to get by, I got really lucky that I was, I had a good family and upbringing and, and I, I was able to get out of that really quick. You know, I you know, did make some choices. You know, what's crazy is a normal guy, the word jail would scare you. That would try to kind of scare you straight. Like I've been to jail. Jail's not cool. I don't want to go back right. there, but it sounds like you, <laughs> you went there multiple times and you weren't scared to go to jail. Yeah, dude, it's just part of the game, man. It's part of the game, dude. You gotta be willing to accept it, dude. I mean, I knew death, death, and death in the death in jail, and, and you know, prison, psych wards, river bottoms, uh, skid row. It's all part of the game, dude. And uh, I had no control that time. At this at this time, racing is so far in the past, and a normal life is so far in the past. I mean, those weren't even thoughts on my radar. My my full time job was how to get high, and. uh and, uh, you know, and how to get by, um, jail, yeah, jail, jail's jail, dude, it's like, a, it's a hotel, and, I mean, you have a room, and, and everyone comes out, and you hang out for an hour a day, and then you go in your room for 23 hours, and work out, and rest, I guess, and get ready for the next run, I mean, it's not a, it's not a fun place to be, but, uh, at that time, dude, when I went to jail, I was safe, you know what I mean, uh, my family was probably pretty stoked. I, in turn, was relieved because I get to 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 rest and 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 uh, get healthy. And um, yeah, dude, it just uh, just all the time, dude, all the time. It was just so. The bottom line is, it was just like a Groundhog Day. You'd go to jail, you would get healthy, you would you would quit, and you couldn't get wait to get back out there and get high again. Couldn't wait, you couldn't wait, man. No matter how many lies I told myself, couldn't wait. You know, as soon as I hit the, as soon as I hit the door, dude, the starting gate dropped, and we we were off, and and uh, it was uncontrollable. It was a very very sick sick disease that had control over me, man. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, you know. Like, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this with you is because you know I think that this addiction is very widespread in this in this industry. Um just not riders, you know, mechanics, you know, mm-hmm. in, you know, industry people in general and the deal is with pain medicine, it's so freely given. And I'm no angel, I fought those same demons. And mm-hmm. I know I know the struggle, I know the feeling, I know how hard it is to get off of it and I know I know what a good life it can be when you're once you clean up and you realize, you know, it's it's really cool to to wake up and just look outside and and have a clear brain where it's not like everything's foggy and you're mm-hmm. not just worried about finding that next fix or whatever the deal is but i think that you can be like a great 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 inspiration for a lot of you know younger guys coming up and overcoming you know the the problems of life with racing and you know i think your story is is pretty unique how you know, you you went to the bottom. You were at mm-hmm. the bottom. It sounds like you weren't scared to go to jail. So, what made what what was the difference in your life that woke you up and said, "Hey, I need to make a difference." Well, um, first off, let me let me uh, before we get 
there uh you talk about the industry and 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 riders and and whatnot and it being something that's kind of infectious and running 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 around you know you hear about it you don't hear about it but but we all know it's there um and uh my problem that i believe in my situation was my whole life was result-based everything everything was result-based you know you know yeah you're as good as your last race and if you're not good you're depressed you're bummed and you know all that stuff and um the dirt bikers in general contain their emotions and you're not going to run around and you know we're dirt bikers you race motocross like you're not going to run around and and, and make excuses or, or whatnot so reaching out is something that isn't isn't uh kind of one of our uh, how we operate you know and um do you think, think it's that, do you think it's like that because you're you're so ashamed and you're worried about what everyone's going to say or like what what's the the your gut telling you at this point in time like because you can you know at any time you could you could have reached out for help and said hey I got an issue I need help but it's right. like but being a racer and it's like you know it's not a team sport it's like me on my own I'm an athlete I can overcome this I used to hear right. that from so many people. I mean, you and me both know a lot of guys that have been down this road that some are still struggling and some conquered it. But at the end of the day, it's I'm an athlete. I'm strong. I don't need help. I don't need to reach out. I can do this on my own. And like you said, you're just telling yourself a lie because this is not anything that you would you can really do on your own when you're at this point of your addiction. Right. Right. There is not. There is nothing. I mean, ashamed or fear of of, of being that guy. Because uh, I think I think in the sport, it, you're, it's so quick to be frowned upon instead of uh, lifting one another up. I found it that you would be a, a subject to hand, dude. The hot topic to to rip on, you know. And and people, it's motocross, motocross, motocross. But we're not. I don't think people look at people like humans, you know. Um, everyone wants the next man's spot as well. I don't know if it's changed. I've been out of the game for a while, dude. I know, I know the few friends that I have didn't do that to me, but I, I also know that I heard when other people were doing it, you know, and, 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 uh, that's what I take from it. Um, I wish I did reach out, dude, and, and, uh, but I wasn't capable of it. That was a uh, foreign, foreign, you know, thought, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what that meant. I had no clue what that meant. And, uh, I was too, I just, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? I, I didn't know. Yeah, I, I, know. I totally, but, totally understand because, I, I mean, I witnessed it with you towards the end. Um, not not when you quit racing, but when you were still racing your last season, I was around you. And I seen a different guy that I've ever seen. And I know mm-hmm. that you had tragedy, and I was putting it that. And, you know, I, I was around when there was partying going on, and I was around, and, I even mentioned to you a couple times, like, hey, dude, you know, be careful with this. And I got this under control. Don't worry about me. I know what I need to do. Just all the right things, you know. It's just the it's just that the, the hidden lie, I call it. But, right, right. But I think that some, sometime that you, you had an awakening, I don't you know, some people call it a moment of clarity where you just said, you know, I'm tired of being sick and tired. I'm tired of... Waking up like this, I'm tired of you know chasing the dragon. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. It's either I need to get clean or I need to die, one or the other. And mm-hmm. some people take that path where they say, "Hey, I'm going to clean it up," you know. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I I I I've been there. So I like people say, "Oh, why are you talking about this?" You know, we're supposed to be talking about motorcycle racing. Well, what I'm trying to get at is, 
this all caused a lot of a lot of the kids and people in this industry have got hooked on this stuff because of motorcycles and motorcycle injuries. Right. And how right. careful people need to be when they have operations and surgeries that they they need to be aware of this addiction. And mm-hmm. it has taken some of the top guys that at your level, at the amateur level that came up that were winning, that's won supercrosses, that was that races and grabbed them and pulled them down and kept them down. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to name, you know, people's names, but I right, right. could figure it out. But, you know, I, I mm-hmm. like I said before, I think that there's something that could be said with what your story is. And, you know, what what I would like to know is, like, what was that last moment where you said, okay, I'm done. I need to figure this out. When did How did that <laughs> happen and when did that happen? Man, that's a, that's a that's a good one. I know I know of one occasion in particular that just stands out like crazy. It was a complete breakdown. I I, uh, I only talked to my dad here or there, um, and I, I showed up at his job site, and uh, I had I had reached the point of where nobody wanted to deal with me. I was just a complete just you know just stay away. Doors and phones weren't being answered. No, just no one wanted me around no more. Whether it was was because uh, it hurt him to see me, or whatever the reason was, whether I was shady, however it was. But uh, I had reached the point where the only way in life that I knew I was going to be able to get by was to turn to 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 real crimes, and uh, I had started robbing people and, and setting people up. And I just knew that it was the end of the road was soon for me. Like you, you don't have to be too smart to know you can't just run around and, and run rampant like that. And and uh, I was scared, dude. I, I, I mean, I did what I had to do, but uh, I was scared, dude. And I, I called my dad, and I, I was like, "This isn't me." And I showed up to his job site and broke down. Uh, I broke down, and I just said, I, "I need to get help. I need, I need help, man." And I mean, I already had overdoses under the belt. Um, I got, I got a handful of those, um, and uh, that's when it was. Uh, I started the rehab thing, and, and the first try wasn't wasn't it wasn't a success dude. it took me took me three times uh going to rehab and uh you know that's uh i didn't have it wasn't just like oh i want to go i want to get better voila you know I've, I've been i've been working on being sober uh december 27 2012 and i work every day of my life to uh to live my life and to learn how to be a human uh i missed all those years racing dirt bikes um some people have proper, you know, support or, or influences around them to where they, they pick up things along the way as far as being a, a human being. I, uh, I, I can't say the same for myself or maybe I did, but I, I didn't, I wasn't paying attention, but, um, I, I work every day at it, man. And, uh, that's what my life is based around. Um, and, uh, yeah, there is a story that there's people out there still struggling and there's people out there naive to it. There's people out there that think it, oh, they're not going to get me. And, and next thing you know, a decade goes by. Next thing you know, you're struggling full blown when you're 45 years old and you have nobody because you've been robbing and lying for, you know, the last 20 years. Um, so I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And yeah. So, so you got, you got clean, you got sober. Um, what's your sobriety date? Uh, December 27th, 2012. Right on. So, um, so after, after, you know, going, doing what you had to do, go to rehab, clean up, um, 
are you are you pro- like do you take um actions that's a good that's a good word do you get involved in your recovery do you are you working on a working on a channels are you trying to help you know i know that you said that you were going to school and taking some classes what's that all about mm-hmm. yeah very active in my recovery my whole my whole uh whole life is based around it i have a passion for it i i know a lot about it uh you know turn turn a uh, negative into a positive i guess is the, the old saying i um i uh i'm going to, i'm i've been in school for for uh since i got sober so i had i had a couple months in you know i, I had a couple months in and, and uh i just felt i had a calling from from uh the one above to to go to school and to to do this and um to go try to become a counselor that's what i'm out to do i'm putting in the foot the footwork i'm i'm uh i'm reaching my i'm getting close to my goal uh lord willingly i will find a spot you know i uh, i will have a certificate in in alcohol and drug counseling fall semester hopefully as long as everything goes right and i stay focused um and that's that's what life is for me today uh i I do do panels. I go back to the rehab that I went to, Pepper House in Ventura County. Um, I go there and do a panel once a month and uh, speak to the newcomers, the guys in detox, the guys that, you know, I see their faces, they're broken and they're weak and, you know, talk with the guys and give them hope and, and share our experiences and, Oh, there's a mutual, you know, everyone has this, there's a stigma that goes behind addiction. Oh, you gave up, you're weak, you do drugs, you're a loser, you know, but um, that you've been through it, you don't know, dude. And uh, when you look at someone that's mutually been through addiction, we, we, we have a bond and we know that it was, it's, it's a hard, it's a fight, dude. Like, uh, when I was using, I, I really didn't want to use, I wanted to stay alive. I wanted to be happy. I did not know how, and, and I did not know how to stop. And, uh, um, the lifestyle just got a hold of me and years went by and, uh, yeah, dude. So I do what I can do to, to, uh, to stay away from that. Um, and, uh, very active in my recovery, work my steps, AA, NA, um, the full deal, dude, the full deal. That's it. I have a passion for it. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's, that, that, that's awesome because, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a alcohol, an alcoholic in an, a drug infested home. Um, my mm-hmm. dad was a, a heroin user my whole mm-hmm. life, pretty much. Um, he's been clean for probably 15 or 20 years, but, I, I, I've, you know, witnessed it, grew up with it, seen it, know a lot about, you know, you know, the whole disease. And I was growing up and I always say, I'll never be like him. I'll never be like them. I'll never do heroin. I'll never do this. But then I found myself, you know, doing other recreational drugs because I thought it was okay because it wasn't sticking a needle in your arm. So that wasn't, but I could fully relate with you on the whole H and I panels going, you know, talking to, you know, people and, and giving back, you know, there's, there's, there's a, there's a way that, um, you could share your experience, strength and hope with others and what you are freely given that you could give that away too. And maybe if you go to a panel or whatever, and you sit there and you talk to 20 guys, if one guy gets something out of that, that's all that matters, you know, one person. And I'm a firm believer of that. And, you know, I think that, uh, it's awesome the way you've uh, you've turned your life around, man. I'm I'm super 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 proud of you. Uh, just you know, knowing you and your dad for a long time, and you know, talking to your dad when you were going through this, and you know, trying to you know, 
just be his friend too and and say hey you know there's nothing we can do he just has to do it on his own and hearing right. the pain in his voice and you know it, right. it, that's why when you know when you first got clean um in 2013 when you came up to me i tried to help you with a bike and get you some parts and do whatever i could right. to help you just to you know oh, yeah. keep your mind off of it then you went riding and you crashed and you got hurt and the first thing i thought about was oh shit you know what i mean <laughs> and, and here we go here we go but you know what dude that turned out to be a blessing dude and you i have three people that i uh that stayed in contact and always always kept tabs on me with was buddy antonez and josh hansen and yourself and uh that bike ended up turning out to be a blessing dude i crashed myself i was riding good too dude i still had it <laughs> but uh i crashed dude and, and uh i met i met uh uh dr t terry wyman and uh he had he had delivered a message to me and asked me if i if i had ever thought about using what i've been through to help people and um I haven't even seen him since I started school, but uh think that I've like think that guy man and and uh he's the one that that uh, even put this thought into my mind and and I've ran with it dude I ran with it and uh yeah yeah it uh I appreciate you being proud of me and and uh yeah dude, I'm just trying to be selfless man i I have also found god and uh I've had my faith now i uh, I never had that and and um you know I just be selfless and with other people strengthen my recovery through helping them. And I was in that table looking at the guy speaking. And I remember when he doesn't even know the thing that he said that helped me, that got me through another day. Um, you know, whether I thanked him or not, he didn't know. And I just go and do it. And there's, I just do it, dude. I just put myself in the, that position and, and, uh, whether you guys thank me or not, it doesn't matter. Dude. It's just being there and, and, uh, the possibility, you know. You know what um, they say: you suit up and you show up, and you fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it, man. And it's all real talk, dude. We all, you, you. It's therapy for me, man. I go to meetings. People say, "Oh, you go drink coffee, smoke cigarettes, talk with meetings, and sit around and talk about your problems." Nah, bro, dude. Like uh, meetings are continuous therapy for me. I have my beginning of the week meeting. I have my end of the week meeting. Um, and uh, I go there, and I can be all frustrated, dude. I don't have a dirt bike. I can't go riding. I'm not, I don't have a lot of money. This or that. I go whatever my little minor issues are, all in my head about. I go there, and somebody will somebody will be going through something that they share about, and it always happens, dude. I leave, I instantly am like, man, dude, I'm I'm tripping, dude. Like this guy just has like this wild like crazy deal going on like this poor guy bless his heart and here i am you know it makes always continue I, i'm always grateful man and and uh I, i'm sticking to my program and sticking to what works and that's awesome and uh so, yeah it's it's crazy too when you're when you're at a meeting and i sorry i keep beating the dead horse about the addiction thing but it's crazy if you unless you've gone you know had this walk in life life when you go to these meetings and you hear people and you sh- you could share with someone and you could walk out of there you walk out with a high like mm-hmm. you you did you just did drugs but it's a natural high and it's all mm-hmm. that is about you giving back to somebody else so that's going to lead into my next question what 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 advice would you give to someone that's out there that you know that's is fighting these demons that's afraid to ask for help and you know what 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 do you think the best you know direction for someone to go through if they're in that situation 
Call me. <laughs> Hit me up, man. <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, whatever, dude. I'll talk with you. I got time. Uh, but honestly, uh, reaching out and not worrying about it, dude. Life's, there's, everyone has issues, problems, life throws all kinds of curveballs at us. And, uh, the good thing is when you put yourself out there and you put it, put yourself out there in the right setting, if it's drugs and alcohol, the meeting setting is the right setting. Um, and, uh, what we do is get each other through one day at a time, dude. And you put yourself out there and reach out and, uh, hopefully the next man can smash your weakness and, uh, get you through that night. And, and over time, over time, uh, you know, there's a pattern in our a way we think. And, uh, over time, you start kind of almost fixing yourself, dude, by thinking that these, the way, the positive, positive way. And, uh, it sounds way far out. I know it's, unless you've gone through it, it, you probably think I'm like off something else right now, but yeah, do you stick with it enough and you're around, around the program enough? Um, you should start. It's just, it's therapy, dude. It's therapy. Reach out, man. Just, uh, go for it and let it be known, dude. Hiding it ain't going to fix it. It's only going to be worse, dude. Next thing you know, you're in psych ward, jail, prison, or, you know, sanitary gates. Yeah, it's crazy, you know, when you when you go back and you just look at your life right now, where it started and how you had the dream of being a professional motocross racer. And, you know, and you look back to where you're at now, it's like, you know, you're not you're not alone just in, in, your, in your hunt of life. There's so mm-hmm. many other people that have, have went down that road. And that's one thing about addiction that I always – you know, if, if if I'm at the race and I, I kind of get the inclination that I think someone's struggling or something, I won't call them out. I'll just ask them, like, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? Because those people think that, they're, first of all, they're ashamed. Second of mm-hmm. all, they think they're alone and, like, that they're the only one that's going through this. And my, my message is that you're not alone. There's nothing to be ashamed about. And when you do conquer your demons, how you could give back to somebody else. Oh, yeah. And I feel like, I feel like twice a man, dude. Addiction's a blood sport. Being a pro motorcrosser was just the pregame to to get me ready to be to get through being an addict. I believe that God has a plan, dude. And, and uh, yeah, dude, pro motorcross doesn't have nothing on on lasting through addiction. It's uh, you're not alone, dude. And and uh, it's it's uh, it's quite the place to be, dude. Go find a meeting. Go find get in the program. Uh, you know. People go to comedy clubs on, on Friday night. Like, go to a meeting Monday through through Sunday, and, and that's your comedy club. Uh, stay spiritually fit, and uh, rock it, dude. Wear it on your sleeve. It's it's uh, it's pretty awesome. Right on, Shane. Well, I I really really appreciate you uh, coming on and and talking about you know your life, your career, and where you're at today. Because uh, I think that the message needs to be said. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in 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 the motocross industry, you're looked at, you know, like a derelict if you smoke a cigarette. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> right, right, yeah. And I think that's something that we need to conquer. I mean, it's taken lives of, you know, a, a great guy in our industry who passed away not too long ago, Phil Alderton, and mm-hmm. he, he struggled with, with the same thing that we all have. And uh, it's just a matter of time before, you know, you either end up in jail or dead. And, you know, mm-hmm. big kudos to you. And, you know, Thank you. Yeah. I just think that, uh, you know, at, what you're doing is you're on the right path. And I just want to say thanks for coming on and giving me your time and sharing your story with us and, uh, mm-hmm. wish you the best of luck. And if there's anything I could do for you or your dad or your family, keep in touch and let me know. And, uh, hope all is well. Awesome. Kenny. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I'll talk to you soon, brother. All right. Thanks, Shane.
Well, everybody, there you go. There's my first show. If you'd like to give me some feedback and let me know what you think, you can hit me up on Twitter at VegasKDub. Or if you don't want to hit me back, don't. If you didn't like it, don't respond. Negative criticism is always good. And uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see if he'll do this again. Thanks for your time.